welcome to this edition of MUSC's Science Never Sleeps podcast. I am your host, Loretta Lynch-Reichert. Today we have a truly innovative and creative individual speaking with us. Dr. Wally Rene is a professor of dental medicine and assistant dean of innovation and digital dentistry in the James B. Edwards College of Dental Medicine at MUSC. Wally was recently recognized as the world's best digital dentist from the International Digital Dental Academy and was the recipient of the COVID-19 Innovation Award for 3D printing face mask designs to be used as PPE during the COVID-19 pandemic. The face mask became an international success and received an outpouring of support from the local Charleston community. The State Museum will feature the mask as part of a COVID-19 display. Welcome, Dr. Rene. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Uh, We're happy to have you. Um, I'll do a little disclosure with my audience and say uh, Dr. Rene is my dentist, and he is a renowned dentist here at MUSC. His uh, patients adore him. So um, just to put a little plug in there. Thank you for that. So let's begin by congratulating on these accolades and then ask, what is digital dentistry? That's a really good question because digital dentistry means many different things to many different people. Mm. Um, It could be as simple as upgrading your radiographs from film to digital. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, there's still um, film radiographs being taken around the country. And um, one first step to go digital in your journey to digital dentistry would be to go to digital radiographs. Hmm. Um, And we know that that has lower radiation to our patients, better clarity, and many other benefits, um, including not needing to have a dark room in your office. Hmm. So that's kind of what we used to think of as digital dentistry maybe 15 years ago. And then we started to evolve past just digital radiographs to now including 3D digital radiographs in the form of cone beam CT. Um, And we have pioneered ultra-low-dose protocols where we're able to take a 3D scan of your skull, including all your teeth, at a lower dose than a traditional 2D panograph. Wow. A panograph, as you know, is those things that rotate around your head and have this 2D thing show up on the screen. But with the latest technology, we're able to do a 3D scan. So it's really cool. And that helps with all sorts of things like implant placement Mm. and making sure we're safe and not hitting things that we don't want to hit when we place implants um, and also diagnosing pathology. So then evolving past radiography, we're also transitioning into the world of 3D scanning using no radiation. And so we're able to use white light imaging and laser imaging to scan teeth um, and make restorations on the computer. So we're able to design fillings and crowns and veneers and all sorts of beautiful things and then 3D print or mill them for our patients. And that is what's really exciting. Is that going to, is that part of what uh, uh, students in dentistry right now are, are, are dealing with rather than the old stuff? Or is it, is it a combination of it's both a, types of... I feel bad for them because it's both. Ooh. So it used to be, if you look at the kind of the evolution of dental education... Typically and historically, it was behind the times where you learned antiquated techniques, and then when you graduated, you had to scramble to figure out, okay, how do I use modern technology? Mm. How do I figure this out? MUSC was one of the first schools to to actually um, be forward thinking and say, okay, we want to teach the future of dentistry now, but we also don't want to lose those old techniques that have been tried and true and proven in the literature. 
with evidence-based dentistry. So we have this perfect synergistic blend here between these kind of traditional techniques that um, have really been proven in the literature, and and we blend that very carefully with the most modern techniques in existence. And so our students have to learn both. That's a lot. But at the same time, I can see where, you know, if you're going to be a dentist in a rural area, that probably doesn't have the kind of high tech that it's perfect for the patients in that area. 100% and sure. that's really awesome. I, I love that MUSC had considered that when they were moving into the new curriculum. Yep. So that's great. It's really cool. So, I mean, it, it what you do now, is, how does that affect, like, um, I know forensic dentistry when um, when you're looking at, you know, trying to identify a body? Um, does that affect that at all? Sure. So <clears throat> there are some new advancements in forensic dentistry as well as it relates to 3D imaging, whereas before when you had a bite mark, say, on a, on a body, you had to take a mold of that bite mark, and that mold would deform because you're pressing down onto the skin. With new technology, you're able to use touch-free scanning and get a 3D mold, and then you're instantly able to try to match that um, using some really sophisticated iterative closest point um, algorithms to 3D molds of patients. And so you could kind of have this artificial intelligence matching. I mean, it has come a long way, hasn't it? It's it's so exciting. It it, it really is. And hopefully when we're done with this podcast, folks will reconsider going to the dentist, which is for a lot of people a very scary thing to do. And it sounds like the new technology and the new materials might make that a bit more of a comfortable um, opportunity. It's more efficient and it's definitely safer. I mean, because if you think about the way that we used to, for example, place implants, we used to kind of just put them in the bone. Um, it'd almost be the, the kind of like when you hang a picture on a wall and you want to hit a stud, but you don't have a stud finder. And mm-hmm. you kind of just drill and you, you hope that you got it, but half the time you miss. Well, before guided implant surgery and computer-aided design and manufacturing, um, we had to kind of do that. Now we're able to precision guide things super safe, yeah. um, ensuring that we don't hit vital structures like nerves and arteries. And it's low stress for the patient and the doc. That's incredible. Yeah. That's, that is wonderful. Um, so maybe maybe we could take our um, listeners back a little ways. So, um, you know, tell me about what the first materials that were used to, um, to just to do fillings, um, which were, I believe, um, not carcinogenic, but at least some biohazard. Yeah, I mean, so... Amalgam fillings contain silver, tin, mercury, and they have a little bit of copper in them. And these restorations, though, have been around for a long time and have served the profession um, really well. There's concerns, however, more environmental that specifically with the mercury being released into the wastewater, um, or if you include all the dental offices around the world, um, so the primary drive to remove these restorations from practice is more of an environmental concern than a physiologic concern. Okay. There's been some really good randomized controlled clinical trial, one done by a colleague, uh, Dr. Darun at a University of Washington in conjunction with Libs in Portugal. And what they did is they took um, around 715 kids in Portugal and randomly divided them 
Um, half of them were to receive silver fillings with mercury. The other half were to receive the new generation of tooth-colored fillings. Mm. Um, and they followed urinary levels of mercury and all sorts of things out of that over a course of five to seven years. And what they found was that the children who received all these silver fillings had no significant mm. consequential um, issues that were related to the mercury, including um, – and there was also the New England uh, amalgam trial, which did the same thing in New England. Um, and this was a, also a very well-done study, randomized controlled trial. Interestingly, though, as people go back and mine the data, they're finding that even with with the new generation of fillings that contain uh, bisphenol A glycidyl dimethacrylate, which is um, almost a bis-GMA based, and you know bis-GMA is the plastic material that people oh. don't like, they're finding that that leads to an increase in behavioral issues. Get out. Is uh -huh. that really? Yeah, so maybe the old silver stuff's better. That is really interesting. <laughs> yeah, do, they, so, do they have any inkling why? I mean... You know, and I, I almost am tempted to be scared to even say anything, but, you know, because the new tooth-colored materials, the bisphenol A glycidyl dimethacrylate that's found is slowly being replaced with other um, compounds like triethylene glycol dimethacrylate and other things that don't contain that bis-GMA component. But nevertheless, um, people are trying to do more biocompatible materials using bioceramics and glasses and things like that. But interestingly, the mainstream filling material had been shown, and correlation does not mean causation, but there is a strong trend that individuals who had more tooth-colored fillings, children, had more likely to have um, behavioral issues, hmm. including attention deficit and other things like that. Fascinating. Yeah, interesting. Uh, more research needs to be done, it sounds like. It definitely does. Yeah. That's really cool. So um, how do you see dentistry moving forward in the next 10, 15 years? What, what do you... For someone who might consider wanting to be a dentist, and that's a rigorous program of study, actually, um, and it's a it's a very challenging profession. Yes. What would you advise someone as they're considering that, uh, and, and what you see as the future of dentistry? There has never been a better time to be a dentist than now. I mean, we are leading um, other professions in technology. So, for example, let me explain. We are one of the first medical professions to routinely 3D print in office and implant 3D printed devices on patients on a daily basis. Wow. And that prosthetic could be a denture. It could be an implant hybrid prosthetic. But 3D printing in dentistry has propelled the profession into the future. And it's mainstream. So roughly around 20% of dentists have 3D printers. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. It truly, truly is because I believe that from a topical point of view, people just started hearing about 3D over the last few years. Oh, so yeah. you guys have been way ahead of the game. We have been doing it for almost a decade and now it's finally getting to be where um, dentists are learning it and they're doing it in schools and it's not only that, it's just the technology and the artificial intelligence, not that it's not going on everywhere, but in dentistry specifically, it's propelling us to a, um, to basically, to be in the future now. Like, mm. you know, when you mm -hmm. think about what would the future of dentistry be, is it like robots doing things? Well, we're really living that right now. The first dental implant had been placed um, in China by a robot, completely human free. And there's in America now, there's FDA-approved robots placing implants. Get out of I'm here! Not kidding. 
And we have augmented reality um, surgical guides. So what does that mean? So as the dentist is placing the implant, the implant, by the way, if you don't know, is a titanium screw, Mm -hmm. essentially. And I'm not going to say it's a hardware screw, but if you think of that in your mind, it's like a hardware screw. Um, They are hollow on the inside so they could accept crowns and things to be screwed into them. So it's a screw within a screw. But that gets drilled into your jawbone. And we have machines now where, as you're drilling, you could see live um, on the 3D x-ray exactly where you are instantly. I mean, that is just incredible augmented reality. It shows you your depth and everything. Um, So we're just excited to be where we are right now. Does this new technology offer a little bit of a um, cost benefit for the patient? Because dentistry is, you know, Going to the dentist is actually quite expensive. Not that it's not worth it, and I will speak about that a little bit in a little bit, but that's a very uh, expensive proposition. So out of all the technologies that are out there, the only thing that really is lowering costs for patients is 3D printing. And let me tell you why. So if you talk about the augmented reality systems or if you talk about um, 3D radiograph. All those machines are hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of dollars. So if you think about a dentist who wants to get into this, they're going to have to get a, a huge loan on top of a already big loan, and they just cannot transfer that cost to the uh, patient um, without having to increase fees or keep their fees the same and just be more efficient. Now, 3D printing, you could get a 3D printer for $250 and use FDA-approved materials on it. And, of course, the best dental printers are up there around 15 to 20 grand. But even that is just peanuts compared to these other machines. And we're able to manufacture things like a denture for all-in cost to the dentist of $10. Wow. Incredible. So now you could start to see, okay, well, if the dentist buys a 3D printer and is printing dentures for $10 material cost, yes, it does take time to learn how to do it all. But maybe we don't have to charge $1,500 for a denture. Yeah. And that is occurring, and it is really good because it's those individuals that need help the most typically. Well, and that's an interesting segue for me because I was reading an article in the New York Times, and I have spoken with one of your colleagues, Amy, Dr. Amy Martin, and she is an incredible advocate for oral health. She's yes. been to the state house. She's been, you know, to rural areas. It is funny that um, this New York Times article suggested that even in the in the uh, MDs. They don't see the mouth as part of the body. People just don't think of their mouth as a part of their overall health. Sure. But in fact, oral health is one of the most significant uh, indicators of of overall health. Um, and it's that's where health really starts is in your mouth. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, first of all, Amy is just on a whole nother level of fantastic. She's uh, above and beyond what I know on the topic. But I will be happy to chime in. Um, we know we have significant evidence in the literature to support the notion that oral health is directly related to cardiac health mm-hmm. and also mental health. So it's interesting. So organisms um, that exist in the mouth, like Treponema denticola, which is a spirochete, have been shown What's to— What's a spirochete? Spirochete is a nasty little bug Ooh. that could penetrate the blood-brain barrier. And autopsies show that in people who have Alzheimer's, there's more likely to be spirochetes in their brain that could, so oral spirochetes. Wow. These are the same spirochetes that cause periodontal disease, by the way. Wow. Um, And then we have other evidence to support that 
Porphyromona gingivalis is gets into the bloodstream. That's a bug that lives in your mouth that um, goes into your bloodstream and causes inflammation. And if said inflammation goes into an area of your artery or or where you have a plaque, your body will attack that area. You could have a stroke or heart have heart failure and heart disease. And that little bug releases um, some certain inflammatory elements that could also get into the brain and cause mental health de- degradation. So it's insane that we're finding that how clean your mouth is, is a window to the rest of your body. And outside of brushing and flossing and gargling, how do you keep your mouth clean? And, and well, let's start with that. <clears throat> the most important thing as it relates to oral health is consistency. Mm. So like, you can't skip a few days of oral health care, and then just all of a sudden start back and expect to erase the damage that had been done. You're going to have gingivitis. You're going to have bleeding gums. And I hear it all the time. When I floss, it bleeds. Well, that's a sign of inflammation. And every t- when you have puffy, red, bleeding gums, mm-hmm. the bacteria is entering into your bloodstream. And it's spreading throughout your whole entire body. And so you're going to have inflammation um, in areas that you wouldn't expect. And so the main thing is to maintain almost a religious cycle of um, oral health care. And it is important to go, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a dentist, but it is really important to go see a qualified hygienist every six months at least uh, for them to do a really good deep cleaning on you Um, because there's areas you just can't get with a toothbrush um, below your gums where stuff accumulates. And so that's the main thing. It's consistency. I used to think there was like a magic bullet like before becoming a dentist i would i would say to myself surely they know something that i don't know because you might not know that i have pretty much a filling in every tooth in my mouth because i was a naughty boy <laughs> i would get was can- there candy there was candy so i would get mm-hmm, i would get 2 bucks a week for allowance and i would ride my bike to the candy store and get a bag, a brown paper bag full of candy. And every time I went to the dentist, it's eight cavities, it's 10 cavities. I'm like, are you running out of teeth? (laughs) (laughs) And it was a nightmare. And I thought that like, you know, surely somebody else has some secret. And the secret is consistency. Yeah, that's it. Wow. Yeah. And but but just like with a lot of things, if it's not a habit that just becomes part of your routine, you just and especially younger people, I -hmm. I think that um, most of us who you know, adults um, are pretty good about it. I would suggest to you that the younger people and elderly um, would be a, a problematic. Huge problem. Yeah. Um, and then the dexterity of young. For example, um, I have three kids. We brush their teeth until they're eight. Wow. For them. Wow. That might sound a little crazy, like, you know, helicopter parents, but... If you look at, like, the AAP guidelines, the American Academy of Pediatric Dentistry and the ADA, children do not have the dexterity to properly brush their teeth. And so, you know, it's like just you have to put them in a headlock sometimes. They're screaming at you, I don't want to brush my teeth. (laughs) But you just do it and you teach them good habits. And when usually if you look at the guidelines, dexterity around eight will be such that they could properly clean their mouth. I remember when I was in school, 
um, that um, the dentist came to do a little presentation, and they gave us these little blue things to chew on after we brushed to see where we missed. Yes, that's a good idea. I don't know if they still do they that. They still but do it, that. It was an eye-opener, for, and we were little kids, so we were like, oh, my God, how did I miss that? You know, it becomes yeah. a game to play. So That is a super good teaching tool. Yeah. Um, we still do that in certain schools and teach um, that the disclosing agent that highlights the biofilm. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, it is. And it's a, a, a simple way for a kid to engage in their own oral health. And, a, again, it's it's so important not only for the total body but also f- uh, your physical presentation. People look at you right away to say, you know, oh, they, they make judgments on a person based on their teeth and their mouth. So, I mean, that's important stuff. It's really important. Um, it, it's, you know, they say that you could be missing an eyebrow and it's less noticeable than missing a front tooth. Yeah, yeah, I would <laughs> You've imagine. seen that meme uh, floating <laughs> around. Yeah. So let's get into something um, I'm sure you're really excited about and I want to know more about is how did you get into this whole thing of deciding to um, develop the masks and, and, and become the digital dentist? Tell, can you tell us that story? <laughs> it's a little bit of just serendipity. I mean, if you look at at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, we really didn't know how SARS-CoV-2 was spread. We mm. had a hypothesis that it might have been um, aerosol-related. And so we, we rushed early on to develop um, an open-source mask working with the Yoast Lab, who, by mm-hmm. the way, is just... Um, Michael also, Yoast, Dr. Michael Yoast in surgery. Just a wonderful... Incredible mm-hmm. resource um, and just a professional guy. Um, that's the kind of stuff on MUSC campus that I think people need to realize is that we have a, a res- ta- we have resources that you could tap into, and it's it's human resource like people. Right. It's it's the people here. It's their intelligence. Like, oh, it's their capacity. The wealth of creative. knowledge. Yeah. And he's on another level. So I mean, immediately it was natural for me to reach out um, and to collaborate with him and his son John, who's also just a brilliant kid. Um, and we just we decided to design um, using computer aided design uh, a mask that could be printed on any printer. So even your hundred dollar high school printer that you see in like high schools and libraries and stuff like that. And we we did some testing to show a few things. One was that the printed mask using the settings that we recommend mm. is indeed airtight, mm. right? Because you don't want to three D print something and then have the false idea that it's stopping. Right. Um, microbes from entering. And then we developed uh, kind of a way to develop your own filters for it. And we had tutorials on how to put it together. You have to remember, this is at a time when people had nothing. People right. were using a scarf, tissue paper. Right. I mean, we literally had no masks anywhere. Um, this was at a time of true crisis. And so people started printing these masks all around the world. And, it, and it's quite remarkable and I'm proud to be a part of that team. So so just to step back, MUSC, you and your team um, were the ones to first start all this. Sure. And then it went to the rest of the world. So yeah, MUSC we, is where it really began. Yeah, I mean, we released our design um, open source. So we worked with the Foundation of Research and Development here to create a, a license where people could just download and modify as needed that design which um, I know for sure in several countries and other areas uh, of, of America, people were using that design as their only mask, yeah. wow. which is really cool. And we hope that it maybe early on saved some lives and prevented some people from getting uh, COVID-19. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. 
Um, that was a very ch challenging time for all of us. And in fact, um, in the article that I was reading from the New York Times, um, they noted that a after COVID-19 really became an issue, and as people were finally able to go back into the dental office, uh, what you all saw as uh, practitioners was um, pretty horrific. Everything from um, people, you know, ate comfort food and junk and just kind of gave up on health mm -hmm. habits, or they were so anxious they were grinding their teeth. Lots and so, of, yeah. so a whole lot of fallout, if you will, from COVID just for oral health. We're still catching up. Really? I mean, a whole year essentially of not having professional dental care. We. We're still catching up from all the issues that are, that have come out of that. A lot of people um, were stressed. They were at home. They weren't doing their normal routine. Mm -hmm. And they, for better or for worse, they maybe forgot about their teeth just a little bit. Because, you know, you got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. And so we see what happened was we have a lot of gingivitis, um, some new diagnoses of periodontitis, but a lot of broken teeth. Mm -hmm. It's strange. The stress, the clinching, the grinding, the um, people were probably eating things that they shouldn't, very hard things, crunching on who knows what, ice cubes and yeah. things like yeah. that. Could wreak havoc on the teeth. Yeah. I, yeah. Amazing. When I think about how MUSC is leading the nation um, with oral health care. Um, it's it's a proud it's a proud moment mm -hmm. for me because mm -hmm. it's not just about the technology. I mean, you could there's schools that have technology, but it sits in the corner. It doesn't get used. There's nobody to drive it. Um, we're innovating not only oral health care but oral health research. We have a really fantastic team of individuals who are pushing the boundaries of dental oral health research, and it's just really cool to see the innovations occurring on that end. So it's not just technology that's really um, making us stand apart from the rest of the, the nation. It's also the team that we've assembled and the amount of research that we're doing. It's really, really inspiring. It's, it, it is inspiring. And, and also, I think the, the public ought to know what kind of really beautiful people uh, inhabit the dental school because you also do a lot of outreach, um, the dental school, uh, to communities where they don't have access to good dentistry. Yep. And I think that is, again, as we said earlier, oral health is the beginning of really good health. So the fact that you guys spend your time getting out there with the public and trying to make a difference in their lives, I think, is a very important part. I think that's part of the legacy of, of the the when the dental school started, and it, and it continues on, even under today's current leadership. It's, it's really a wonderful thing to see. It is, and our students have such a heart to help. Yeah. I mean, they're the ones begging for more help. I mean, they want to go out there and be involved in the community. They're volunteering at the Echo Clinic in Mount Pleasant and Our Lady of Mercy in Johns Island. Mm -hmm. and, and you name Free Clinic X. They're there in the morning when it opens. They're there on the weekends. They're there at nights, and they're really wanting to help people who do not have an avenue for oral health care. I think that's a wonderful thing, yeah. absolutely, and I think that our community should support that. Um, when, as a final thought, as a dentist, when you have a patient coming in to your um, clinic, what what would you like them to know about what they're about ready to go through? How do you ease their mind about um, um, the work that's going to be done? So t typically you have to understand that you're in control as the patient. 
Okay. How so? <laughs> well, so it's not like it used to be. A lot of people tell me stories, and I have these same stories. You're in the dentist as a child, and you're getting your tooth drilled on, and you're screaming because it hurts. And the dentist is like, just a little more, just a little further. And you're clinching, and you're screaming, and you're in like this, you know, strapped down essentially. That is not the dentistry of today. Okay, we are there essentially for your benefit. And we are going to use the latest technologies and techniques and synergistically combine that with new um, hands-on skills that mm -hmm. we've learned, that we've picked up on how to numb with less pain. Um, how do we drill more conservatively? So instead of cutting a big hole in your tooth, we're doing a tiny microscopic hole. Um, these things is where the profession's heading. We're more conservative. We do not want to have to pick up that handpiece and drill on your tooth unnecessarily, whereas 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the philosophy was drill more. Mm. Yep, and we've, we've completely departed from that. So less is more. We're more conservative. We're watching out for you. And, of course, we always say, what would I have done on my tooth or what mm. would I do to my family member? And that's what you're going to get these days. That's great. That's a, that's a wonderful way to to finish this podcast is to say it's not something you need to be afraid of anymore. And um, when you're in the capable hands of our dentist at MUSC and Dr. Renee, um, you can feel good about what's happening. So I thank you so very much. Um, this was fun. It was informative. It was thoughtful. I hope that people take away from this important uh, and mindful ideas about how to take care of their health. Even the smallest thing, just, I guess, gargling. And, and uh, you know, if, you, if you're not in a place where you have a toothbrush and, and floss, gargle or something. And just to clean your mouth out, that will help you tremendously. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Thank Renee. You. I really was, appreciate it. It was really fun. I am so delighted that you had me on. Thank you, sir. And to our listeners, um, join us next time for another edition of Science Never Sleeps podcast here at the Medical University of South Carolina. Everyone, take care, stay healthy, go to the dentist. Mm -hmm.